once again bow ourselves in your presence. We are gathered in your presence, the only one who's worthy to receive our worship. And Father, as we have sung about already and worshiped already, our desire this morning is to see your glory fall, to see your power move. Father, there are so many hearts in this room that are in so many different places. There are hearts in this room that need to be encouraged. Would you encourage them today? There are hearts in this room that are hardened towards you. I pray that you would soften those hearts today. There are hearts in this room that are dead in their trespasses and sins. I pray that your power would break through that heart and that they would repent and turn to you for life. Father, we all walked into this room today in different points in our journey with you. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your desire for us now is to continue to encounter your presence already through song, but now through your written word. So speak to us, remove distractions from us, and change us this morning. In the good, holy, precious name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. And amen. This year, as you're taking your Bible and turning to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, so you find 1 Timothy, go one book over, you're in 2 Timothy. Then you find chapter 1, go one chapter over, you're in chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. This year, we are focusing on uh, several things in our church. Of course, we always want to be about the business of things like prayer, and, and we always want to be serving our community. We always want to be sharing the gospel. Those are things, those are our core values of our church that we always want to be engaged in. But especially in this year, we're really focusing in on, we're really, really zeroing in on how we can embrace this core value of our church. And, and, and of, of those core values we have, I, I, I give you a guess, maybe you, if you've been here for a few weeks, you can help me. What is it that we're focusing on specifically this year? The Bible, right? Scripture. And, and uh, as, as we've made that emphasis through this series that, that I've titled the B-I-B-L-E, we've, uh, uh, if you grew up in church, you probably, uh, you, you probably learned a song about the Bible. And, and as we've gone through this series, I've had us just kind of make sure we sing that song just to remind us. I know some of you, for some reason, you don't love the Bible, so I guess you're tired of singing it. Uh, but you're kind of wondering how much longer. I've got 52 more sermons in this series, so... Uh, playing is 50. Uh, but as we move through, I just think it's important for us to be, y- y'all know the song? And, and look, up till now you've had lyrics on the screen, but now we see how well we've done memorizing because the lyrics are not there. You ready? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. You keep going. Man, that B-I-B-L-E, it is the most important book you will ever have in your hands. It's the most important book you'll ever read in your life. It's the most important time you'll ever spend is in that B-I-B-L-E because there are some books that will inform you, but only the Word of God will transform you. 
That's it. There, there, you, you can get inspired. You can get motivated. You can get, uh, you get emotional reading some other things. But the only book in, that God has given us that's going to transform us is the Word of God. And today, we're going to look at how we are to respond to the Bible. Because we have to make some kind of response. God has given us His Word. You in this room have access to that Word. Even if you didn't bring that Word in with you, if you brought your phone, you have access to read Scripture. Even if you left your phone at home, which someone did, uh, whose phone went off Wednesday night, that's a good move. Uh, even if you left your phone uh, in your car, you, you still, you got a Bible that's there and the pew in front. You're going to see the words on Scripture. We, we, we are faced with Scripture. We, we are given the Word of God, and so we must make a response. We don't have the option to not make a response. We must make a response to the Word of God. So the question becomes, what should that response be? How should I respond when I open up Scripture? How should I respond when I interact with Scripture? How should I respond when I encounter Scripture in my life? And so we're going to turn our attention to the book of 2 Timothy, the second chapter of that book, to understand God's desire, God's desire, when it comes to our response to Scripture. Paul is writing a letter to a young man named Timothy. Paul was Timothy's spiritual mentor. And Paul was giving him instructions. Paul wrote a couple letters to Timothy. And in those letters, Paul was telling him, here, I want to encourage you, and here's how you can do what God has called you to do. And specifically, God had called Timothy to preach the Word of God and to pastor the people of God. But don't think that because that was Timothy's purpose, that First and Second Timothy have nothing to speak to us today. That, that's certainly certainly false. They have everything to say to us today. When we look at 2 Timothy and the chapter that we're going to read, Paul is going to teach us how every believer, regardless of their occupation, regardless of their calling, how every believer should respond to the Bible. Let's work through 2 Timothy. Let's read the chapter, and then we'll think about a few responses we are to make. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What are they teaching? They're teaching scripture, specifically the gospel. Verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone complete, competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer, that hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, that is the gospel he's preaching, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. But the word of God is not bound. The Bible 
has been attacked more than any book in history. It has been banned, it has been burned, it has been mocked, it has been twisted, it has been ignored, but the word of God still stands and will stand forever. It's like the prophet Isaiah spoke when Isaiah said that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Ladies and gentlemen, no government, no religious authorities, no skeptics, no philosophers, no politicians, no book banners, no book burners have been able to, are able to, or will ever be able to Stop the work of the Word of God. It is not bound. It will continue to do its work. And Paul says, even though I'm bound, the Word of God is not bound. Verse 10, he says, this is why I endure all things for the elect so they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. For if we die with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The focus of their teaching is the gospel. Verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching, handling that word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness, and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenius and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the faith, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and, uh, and are ruling, ruining rather the faith of some. So Timothy's job as a pastor was to keep his congregation focused on the gospel. He was, in the words of Paul, to remind them of these things. My friends, the church, and when I say the church, I mean you and I as part of the church, the church and you and I, we are constantly tempted to take the focus off the message of the gospel. We're constantly tempted to take the focus off of the message that really matters. Every church faces the temptation to become an entertainment center. Every church faces the temptation to become a spiritual Burger King where we're consumed with people having it their way. Every church is, is tempted with the temptation to become nothing more than a social club that's full of cliques that's hiding behind the name and the title of a church. That temptation must be resisted and the church must remember the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church must always stand for the truth but we must not become a debate team that does nothing but yell damnation at the world. 
Nor are we to become a group of debate teams within our own church to where different groups argue and bicker and discuss things that don't really matter. We are not to fight, Paul says, about words. We must major on the majors, but often the church majors on the minors. Why are we not to get tangled up in this? Because what Paul said, he said, it's useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. If we take the focus off the message of God, if we take the focus off of the gospel, and if we put the focus on human opinions and endless debates, the results will be the ruin of the hearers. Listen, a lost world does not care how we argue about the role of women in ministry. A lost world does not care how we argue in the Southern Baptist Convention about every single flipping thing that we argue about. The world does not need our debates. The world needs our Jesus. And our response to the Word of God must be to end the senseless words that take the focus off of the gospel. I expect the email inbox to be full this week. Verse 19, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now at a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes. How much simpler your life would be if you followed that verse. Because you know how they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Do you see the seriousness of when you don't respond to the word of God correctly? If you don't respond in the way God wants you to respond, man, some things happen that in your life that don't need to happen. So what then should our response be? Real quickly this morning, and by quickly I mean not so much, okay? Three responses. Three responses we need to make to the Word of God according to 2 Timothy chapter 2. First, our first response to God's Word should be one of passion. Okay, it should be one of passion. If, if you look at the language that, that Timothy it receives from Paul... Paul, it's easy to see he had passion for the Word of God. In describing his relationship to the gospel, Paul uses the analogies of a soldier, of an athlete, and a farmer. A soldier serves his country because he's passionate for that country and the freedom that it provides. An athlete is an athlete because he or she is passionate about the sport to which they excel and seek to, to win a prize. A farmer, why does a farmer 
get up early in the morning and work hard all day, well into the evening, because he loves his family and he's passionate about providing for them. Even more pointed, Paul makes it clear that his passion for the word of God is such that he's willing to suffer for it, which he does. He speaks of his suffering in verses 9 and 10. His love for the gospel is such that Paul is willing to die for the gospel. Watch. And he does die for the gospel. Having fought that good fight of faith, having kept his faith, having finished the course, he literally died for the sake of the gospel because he was so passionate about that gospel. Our response to God's word should start with passion for that word. And that passion will lead us to longing for God's word, to to dwell in God's word, to desire God's word. Now, Now, hang with me, because if I haven't made you mad yet, I'm about to. Passion is not our problem. We are people who have passion. You ever watch those shows on TLC or Discovery, like extreme couponing? That's some passionate people. (laughs) We are people who are passionate about various things. You can quote the stats of your favorite athlete because you're passionate about that athlete. You can analyze the stock market and give us a Wall Street insight because that's your passion. That's what you study. That's what you want to learn about. You know the lines. I basically know every line to the Griswold's Christmas family vacation because I was passionate about watching that thing growing up. Every single day in the summer, my best friend and I, we watch it every single day. I was passionate about that. And there's nothing wrong with being passionate about your favorite athlete. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about the stock market. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about lines from the office. There's nothing wrong about those things. But what does it say about us when we have so much passion that we can write all those things off right and left, but we don't know the Word of God? What does that say about our passion? It says that it's misplaced. God has wired into us a desire for passion to pursue something. And that should be the word of God. Remember that first sermon we preached in this series? It was called the revelation of the Bible. And I told you in that first sermon that the purpose, the ultimate purpose of the Bible was to reveal Jesus to us. Listen, you cannot have the right relationship with Jesus if you don't have the right relationship with his word because Jesus is the word of God who took on flesh and came to live on this earth. So what I'm saying, not my opinion, but based upon the premise of scripture is that if you do not have a passion for scripture, you cannot have a passion for Jesus. You can't say you have a passion for one and not the other because Jesus is the word of God. So where is your passion today? Your response first starts with passion. Second, our second response to God's word should be one of pursuit. It's a response of of, of passion, but it's also a response of pursuit. And by pursuit, I mean that we seek to learn it. You see, our love for the Word of God will lead us to learn the Word of God. 
Paul's instructions to Timothy include an admonition to invest in the lives of others in verse 2 so they'd be able to teach even more people. And then in verse 14, Paul tells Timothy very plainly, he says, remind people of this truth. Teach them these truths. The people need to learn these truths. They need to pursue the Word of God. To pursue God's Word is to learn God's Word. We are to always, no matter how old we are, no matter how many years we've been a Christian, we are to always be students of Scripture, allowing God to speak to us, to teach us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are instructed in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, we are instructed to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will not grow, you will not learn God's Word if you do not pursue God's Word. Yes, hearing is important, but it's not the end all. Reading the Word of God is something we should do, certainly, but that doesn't accomplish God's ultimate purpose. We need to pursue the Word in a deeper way, a way that leads us to learning it. You see, it's the pursuit of God's Word that gives us understanding. Solomon talked to us about the pursuit of wisdom that comes from God when he said in Proverbs chapter 2, if you seek God's wisdom like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You say, Pastor, that's a great Bible verse and I know that what you're saying is true, but Pastor, I just can't understand the Bible. What are we it just doesn't make sense. Look, I get it. I'm there. I'm there with you. If I pick up my Bible cold turkey and try to understand it, it's difficult. But, but if you'll hang me, I'm just going to get real, real practical with you. Very, something that you can do today that will help you start pursuing God's Word. So in your pursuit of God's Word, a couple of things. As you pursue God's Word, you need to be prepared. You need to prepare yourself as you pursue God's Word. The only way that you're going to learn the Word of God is if God gives you the insight. This is a spiritual book. This is written by God Himself who used human authors to pen His words. The only hope we have of understanding is if God opens our eyes to that truth. And God does that through the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that you don't have to be scared of. That Holy Spirit that that we've allowed some denominations to hijack for whatever reason, and we think if we get a little bit of him, we're going to go crazy or something full with the mouth. I don't know what that's about, but many of us think that way, or at least we act like we think that way. Listen to what Jesus said about this Holy Spirit. Jesus said, John 14, 26, he said, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, and you've got to, here's what that means, to prepare to pursue God's Word. When you open up God's Word, you have to say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I am surrendered to you. I am yielded to you. I may think I know, but you need to teach me what I don't know. I may think I'm smart, but you need to remind me how spiritually blind I am without you. I need to completely rely upon that Holy Spirit of God to give me insight as I pursue this Word of God. You have to be prepared. But also, as you pursue, you need to pray. Now, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? 
But how often we overlook this powerful thing that happens when we get ready to pursue the word of God. Ask God to give you understanding. Ask him, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to understand this. I can't understand this, Lord, unless you give me insight to this. As the psalmist cried out in Psalm 119.73, he simply said, give me understanding. Will you give me understanding, Lord, so that I can learn your commandments? As you pursue, you also need to ponder what's going to happen if you open up the Word of God and you read your, your, your passage and you close your Word of God and you don't think about it anymore. I don't do any good. You have to ponder the Word of God, prayerfully ponder what God is saying to you in His Word. King David taught us this. When he said in Psalm 1 and 2 that the blessed man was the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Pondering means that you allow the word of God to soak and sink into your mind and into your heart. And you know who needs to do all three of these things? Preachers and non-preachers. I'm working through Psalms this year, the book of Psalms. That's all I want to do in my, not, not my sermon prep time, but my personal time with God. And, and I love the approach because I can go back and read. I have time to, to read. There's, there, there's, there's not near as many Psalms as there is in many days of the year. So I can just spend a lot of time in it. And, and this morning I woke up and I, was go, I went back to Psalm 3. And I was just reading over Psalm 3. And I came to Psalm 3, 3, where it says, Lord is my shield. I said, okay. I said, Father, I need the Holy Spirit to help me understand what this means. And so today, all day, and that's why all morning I've been pondering. You're lucky you didn't get a sermon on it. (laughs) I've been pondering, what does it mean for God to be my shield? And the Lord's kind of already spoken to me about a few of those things. And I can tell you, I'm a lot more prepared to handle whatever may come to me this day because of just the pondering over that one simple phrase. You're pursuing God's word. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. Are you perfect right now? No. So you need to pursue it. Yes. What are you pursuing? How's your pursuit of God's word? Are you in constant pursuit seeking to learn it? Our first response is to be one of of passion, and our second response should be one of pursuit. And our third response to God's word should be one of practice. It should be one of practice. Our response to God's word isn't complete until we practice what we have pursued. Now I want you to notice that pattern. We have passion, and that passion for God's word leads us to pursue it. And as we're pursuing God's word, we're learning it, then our job is to practice it. Or if you prefer to think of it this way, it starts with a love for God's word that leads you to learn God's word that results in you living God's word. Still alliterated because I went to a Baptist seminary. (laughs) So take either the the, the three P's or the three L's, everyone works for you. But there's a process to this, it's a progression. That as we have this passion, that passion leads us to pursue. And as we pursue, we then have a responsibility to practice. Our text contains numerous commands and, and action points, next steps in what to do. For example, Paul said in verse 21, to purify 
yourself. That's a, that's a practice of the word of God. You're practicing now. You're, you're purifying. He says in verse 22, flee from misplaced passion and instead pursue righteousness, faith, love, and, and peace. So when you make that choice to, to flee from the misplaced passion and instead to pursue God's passion, you are practicing scripture. Listen, at its core, the Bible is a book that is meant to be practiced. At its core, it is meant to be practiced. We need to love it, and we need to learn it, but more so, we need to live it. The response that God desires involves our passion and a pursuit that leads to practice. And here's the thing, the blessing of God The deep abiding blessing of God does not come if you can quote X number of verses. Hey, nothing wrong with quoting X. We need to memorize scripture. But God does not promise the blessing in the head knowledge. God doesn't even promise the, the deep blessing if that passion's there. Here's how Jesus framed it. Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, showing them what they should do. And then Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 17, he said, okay, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you, say it with me, do them. Not memorize them, not quote them, if you do. Do them. Living the word means that once I understand what God wants me to do by loving and pursuing and by learning his word, I do what God wants me to do. It is an act of obedience, and I cannot say that I'm responding to the Bible the way God desires unless I'm practicing what God has called me to do. And I find that among most people, myself being chief among them, is that my passion and pursuit and the place where I oftentimes stumble is in practice. You know why? Because it's hard to practice Scripture. It's hard to love your enemies. Anybody else find that hard? Or am I preaching a perfect congregation, I guess? It's hard to pursue righteousness. It's hard for me to choose to walk away from temptation, to resist it. It's just a lot easier for me to give into it. Just be honest, it is. It's a lot easier for me to, I know what I should do. My problem is doing what I know I should do. Can I get a witness? This is where the test of our obedience comes into play. Remember what I told you last week. God will never call you to do anything. And this book is full of things he's called us to do. God will never call you to do anything that he does not give you the power from the Holy Spirit to do. If God calls you to do something, if there's a command in this word for us to do, yeah, it's hard for us. That's why we have to 
deny ourselves, take up our cross daily. Daily. Not on Sundays. It's easy to take up a cross, come to church on for an hour on Sunday. But daily, when we're in our workplace, around those co-workers who need Jesus, especially mine. <laughs> Mine's church staff. <laughs> or when we interact with people in our family. Any of y'all got weird family members? Okay, if you don't, you're the weird one, okay? How do we deal with those hard to deal? I mean, how are we going to do that? We rely upon what Jesus has told us, the Holy Spirit has placed us. We crucify our flesh. We take up our cross. And for the sake of God's glory, we follow Him. Because He's given us this word. This word that we need to have passion. And this word that we need to pursue. But that passion, that pursuit will do no good unless we practice it. So I simply want to ask you this morning, I'm done, we're going to wrap up. I just want to ask you this morning, what response are you making? Of those responses we've talked about today, do you have a passion for God's word? If, if you're struggling, and look, I, I get it, I've, I've struggled to have a passion for his word as well. If you're struggling with having a passion for God's word, ask and it will be given to you. Ask God, God, light my fire for your word. God, do not let me rest until I have passion for your word. Maybe you've got the passion, but you know what to do with it. Man, let that passion push you into your pursuit. You don't have to, hey, I understand how to parse Greek words and understand the tense of the Hebrew language. Just open up God's word and say, God, Holy Spirit, teach me. I'm going to read this proverb today. Teach me what it means. Show me what it means. Show me how I can take this verse and put hands and feet on it as I go out in the world. And then would you practice it? Will you respond by practicing? When you go out into this world, would you be the hands and feet of Jesus? I cannot tell you what, oh man, what would happen? What would happen if the church of Jesus Christ left this building today and put hands and feet on God's word? If we lift it in our communities, in our families, in our city, among our friends, what would happen if they saw God's word being lived out. What would happen if in our actions we lifted Jesus up? I'll tell you what happened. Jesus tells us. And I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men and women unto myself. Maybe this word of God means nothing to you because you don't have a relationship with the God of this word. This word never fails. This word will never be gone only fulfilled. You will stand before the God of this, of this word one day. And you can stand before him as a sinner or a saint. Not being perfect a saint, but a saint whose sins are forgiven. Whatever step God's placing upon your heart today, I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand and sing. I simply want you to say yes to whatever God's calling you to do today. Father God, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you that you've given us this word. And it's through this word that we meet Jesus. That our faith comes from hearing and hearing from this word of God. So Father, whatever you're calling us to do today, may we be faithful to say yes. In the good name of Jesus we ask. Amen. Let's stand and sing.